it's never somebody eaten. I wonder who it could be. I'll hazard a guess and say it's Mark. Both both have you ever tried setting up a record player where you've got a two-year-old <laughs> hammering the back of your hanger, hammering the back of your leg with whatever plastic toy you found at the time? It's really hard. I assume it's similar to try and do anything with a cat. Um, trying to there's find di- a different issues to the cat. You can't. I mean, don't. I'm not condoning violence against animals, but with my cat, if you give her a good, you know, sort of a, a chuck away, she'll bugger off about twenty minutes. Whereas you throwing children is is frowned upon. <laughs> they tend to set the, the government on you if you do stuff like that. Throwing the cat away doesn't seem to work with mine. It just seems to come back immediately. It, it decided it would be really funny to scratch down the back of the TV, but it got its claw, <laughs> it got its claw stuck in the grills, you know, the little air hole grills. So I tried to unhook its claw, claw you know. And, and then it thing, out. Bloody yeah. thing bit me. <laughs> <laughs> no, cats are dicks. I like cats very much, but they can be massive. There you go, Phil. Cats are dicks. <laughs> I'm glad we've settled that. <laughs> Shall we start the podcast then? I suppose. Oh, we haven't started. Hello and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for Wednesday the 12th of August 2015. I promise no more cat talk. And join me in this edition, Assistant Editor Steve Withers. All right, remember, alcohol equals puke equals smelly mess equals nobody likes you. Are you listening, Ed? Games Editor Mark Botwright. I'll be a beautiful young woman. And audio reviewer Ed Sally. I vomited in my hair. No, you weren't listening, were you, Ed? Hello and welcome back to the podcast. No Hodge again. He's he's on the second summer holiday. All right for some. And ooh, let's start with competitions like we always do. And let's go to Mark Botwright, who is professionally going to go through this in about 30 seconds and tell you what you can win. Right. You've got Kelly's Heroes on Blu-ray and that will end 24th of August. So you've got a little bit of time left. Um, the War of the Roses ends on last day of August, 31st. Also on Blu-ray, um, you've got the Thermaltake PC gaming bundle, which comes courtesy of Scan, and that also ends on the 31st of August. But you shouldn't dilly-dally about and wait till the last second of the month to, to do this or do anything, should you, Ed? No, absolutely not. You should make sure that you've done it in plenty of time. Same with paying your utility bills or indeed any other facet of modern life. Do it promptly and make sure that you've got nothing to fret about the last possible minute. And was there any previous competition winners, Mark? Uh, none. <laughs> so unless that's a username from a particularly list individual yeah I just Not like the way it says nothing. that none alright <laughs> uh, let's kick off with um, some hardware news why don't we and the BDA which is the Blu-ray Disc Association um, has begun licensing UHD Blu-ray players and discs so the software and the players on there um, the licensing's now started which basically means it's kicking off Ultra HD Blu-ray now becomes official yeah, I mean, to be honest, the, the press release was a little bit sort of, uh, we don't really have any news, but we don't want you to forget about us, so we're just going to let you know that we're now licensing products, which I kind of assumed they already were. Um, and they still seem confident they're going to hit their 2015 holiday season um, launch period, so basically Christmas. But what's a bit thin on is basic details, so there's nothing new in terms of uh, manufacturers, there's nothing about any studio support. I mean, they say discs are being you know, licensed, so we assume they're a studio support. And if I had to hazard a guess, I'd suggest that some of the recent announcements from Sony uh, regarding um, some of their new um, Blu-ray releases 
they're doing uh, sort of remasters of things like Dracula and the Fifth oh, Element. Nev- never again. There'll be the Fifth Element. There'll be Ghostbusters. There'll be Dra- Dracula. Um, they've basically done four K. They've done four K restorations of, of Dracula, which kind of needed actually. So that's good news. Fifth Element and also Leon and Dolby Atmos remixes for the soundtracks. So I'm guessing they might be um, things that are lining up for four K release. Uh, in, yeah, in, in it's it's the it's always the same stuff that tends yeah. to come through. <laughs> it's been like super bit for a while, and then it'll be mastered in four K. This is exactly the same. This is basically. I was thinking this morning. I was thinking this is just like towards the end of DVD's life. They did super bit, and then obviously Blu-ray. And now we're getting towards the end of Blu-ray, and it's going to be another Blu-ray release followed by Ultra HD four K Blu-ray. Um, and obviously, I'll buy them all again. So that's great news. Yeah. My wallet. From the point of view of uh, those of us, perhaps, and that basically means me, who was kind of been a, bit, a bit full of despondency and woe early, earlier in the year, it looks like we're definitely going to get players. I, I would, fingers crossed, we might even see some stuff at IFA in a few weeks' time. I have no doubt we'll see stuff at IFA. Uh, that's why this press release came out at the beginning of August. It's <laughs> just to prep everybody for what's going to get they're going to get told at the beginning of September. Yeah. I mean, um, I'll be I'll be staggered if at least Panasonic and Sony don't have actual players on show and there's some announcement about some software. I'd be, yeah. I'll be staggered if that doesn't happen. So it's good news. I mean, basically it means we should have players and discs uh, in the shops by Christmas. So whoopee. <laughs> you say that, but actually if you read the press release, yeah, if you, okay. and if you've got five minutes to do it, the wording of it is announcements for the holiday season <laughs> that to me says well they're not going to announce anything until christmas it doesn't mean that the stuff's going to come at christmas yeah that's true so in fact, and holiday season that could be quite a long period of time that might even slip over into into ces <laughs> if they're genuinely adding h either from the outset or almost the outset from the standard it buys them a tiny amount more time but they they do need to be very careful here because there's no the announcements no announcements for uh, HDR discs at the minute. No, well, that, they they. I mean, it could do it that it's in the specs whether it's going to be uh, supported. I mean, so far the only studio I've really seen making a big noise about, it, and we're going to come back to this in a minute, I guess, is 20th Century Fox. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think is HDR. I mean, you've seen HDR, Phil. I mean, people have been asking me this question in relation to um, a TV I've just reviewed, the JU7500, the Samsung, which doesn't support HDR. It's an ultra HD 4K TV, it doesn't support HDR. And asking me, you know, is that a big deal? Do you think it's going to be a game changer? <laughs> and based upon what I've seen to date, no. I, I can't say that I suddenly thought, oh my God, I have to have HDR. Really? I'd rather have wider color space, higher bit depth, uh, and ultra HD 4K than have HDR. I mean, I've survived this far without HDR. Um, you know, what do you think? Um, complete opposite. Really? Yeah, but you put me in a position here because I can't talk about it. <laughs> 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 um, yes, I, I think if it's done right, it is a game changer. And it's it's more appealing than 4K on its own, HDR. And of course, HDR can be on Blu-ray as well. It doesn't have to be 4K uh, Blu-ray. You know, you can separate it out. It, it can be any content. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, speaking to um, Mike Soa, who works for Technicolor and whose um, job it is to do HDR stuff, uh, he's busy for the next <laughs> God knows how long because he's got a whole list of stuff that he's now going back through and creating the HDR versions for. Um, and having seen the demonstration side by side with a 4K feed of the same movie, and it was a million ways to die in the West, the there was just no competition between the two. I mean, the HDR version was just outstanding, absolutely outstanding. In what sense? 
in terms of the dynamic range, it was just unbelievable. Um, Lads weren't crushed. It, it, no, 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 it wasn't a crush. There was loads of shadow detail. There was a real depth to the image. Um, you could see the extra detail. You could see the extra uh, color. You could see there was more texture in the clouds. The highlights were more textured. There was more detail in the white areas. Um, it was just a, a night and day difference between what was being shown on the, on the right-hand side to what was the left-hand side, which was HDR. Um, and it was on the same screen, so the same TV. And the dynamic range was just utterly, utterly jaw-dropping. So <laughs> if it's done right um, and it's brought to market correctly, then it, it will be a game-changer. On the other hand, um, on the other hand, there, there was a reviewer who works for CNET in the US who um, has had access to some HDR content through Samsung TVs and wasn't impressed at all. Uh, I think it was via Amazon uh, that he watched the HDR content and it, it just it wasn't good at all. So like I say, if it's done right and it's brought to market correctly and the standards are all right, then it's absolutely jaw-dropping, the difference in, in quality. And it's not about brightness either. You know, it's not about 2000s, 3000s. It's not about that. It's about the wider dynamic range from the yeah. black to the white. It's about details in the white. A good example would be, um, uh, it's a favourite demo disc of our Sunshine. The the beginning of Sunshine from the uh, 20th century, well, it's the studios, it's the... The small independent label thing, isn't it? For yeah. Searchlight, Fox Searchlight. Se- searchlight. So it starts there and, and it's terribly encoded at the beginning. Uh, but then it comes, the title becomes the sun, basically. It becomes a real white mess. And there's no detail in there, but there should be detail in there. And th- this is where HDR would make a big difference is it's in areas that are completely washed out on blu-ray at the minute because it can't handle it you would see the detail in the white you would see more detail more texture the the, the objects would look more real um so it, i mean it's kind of hard to uh to put it into words but yeah there was a demo i saw the demo at panasonic hollywood labs it blew me away I've seen, I've seen the demo, I was with you, in fact, when we were looking at the demo, they used that sequence from The Great Gatsby where there's the firework display going off. And there was, you could clearly see, because there's obviously lots of very bright explosions you the fireworks and everyone gets lit up by the light. And it was clearly obvious that there was so much more detail in the bright parts of that image on the HDR version than there was on the standard version. Um, what I find slightly worrying is how it's going to be implemented uh, first of all there's two things one you've already mentioned which is um as long as it's done well that's the key also how it's implemented because my experience so far with hdr at home has been um some small little clips that samsung gave me which i've used on some of their tvs now this is stuff is stuff that they've produced for themselves with, with 20th century fox it only works on their tvs but what it does is when you play it when it detects it uh it immediately jacks up the backlight to 20. once you stop watching your hdr content People are going to be are going to forget to change their backlight down. Yeah, again. I mean, and that, they're going to be looking at stuff with a backlight on maximum brightness yeah, but, on really bright TVs. But that's that's just one manufacturer's way. Of no, doing I'm things. just saying, but that's the kind of thing that can yeah. happen. We end up with a situation where people think they're jacking up the brightness is the same thing. And as you just pointed out, it is not what we're talking about here. You're going to get little things like that. The same as things happen with Blu-ray. The same as things happen at the minute where people just shove their TVs into dynamic mode, and if they're happy, then leave them be. But for the enthusiast market out there, little things like that, um, you know, complaining to Samsung about that thing there should change it. I mean, they're usually quite good at listening to. I don't know. I mean, I've I've pointed it out to them already, and and I'm assuming it's. uh, Interestingly, uh, this is a slight aside, but we're going to come back to their um, hard disk drives that they've been using in a minute. But uh, 
I was at a guy's house on Saturday who had a JS9000 and he'd bought one of these um, last year's hard drives. Of well, you just, walked, from you just walked in off the street, did you? And... Yeah. <laughs> I was stalking somebody. <laughs> no, um, he he bought one from the states on, online. Um, with, when it was loaded up with contents, so things like Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness and very some quite some nice stuff in 4K. None of it was HDR. It was it was last year's um, drive, and and it was you know these old older older stuff. Um, but in 4K. But as soon as it detected these movies, the TV was again defaulting to a maximum brightness to 20 on the, on its um, backlight, which. Not quite sure why it was doing that. I'm going to point it out to Samsung again because maybe it's just a bug in a software. But you know, there is a danger that you go in and carefully set the backlight for the right conditions for evening viewing, and suddenly you've got it being automatically sent to 20, and people are go back to watching BBC One or something, and they're going to get blinded. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that, but that's uh, I'm, I'm, it says there's room for consumer confusion here if we're not careful, um, and I guess that's where we come in. Well, oh, it's it, it's there, there's, yeah. There's going to be there's going to be loads of confusion. There's going to be loads of things that. That go on behind the scenes. Now, let's move on to the Samsung thing because it is related. So, it's not just Samsung, it was WD as well, wasn't it? Western Digital. Well, they're um, making them, aren't they? The so, drives, they're making the My Passport Cinema, which is going to deliver HDR, UHD, 4K content, but only to Samsung screens. Now, we saw this with 3D and we didn't see Avatar for something like two years because it was a Panasonic exclusive. I mean, this could murder the market if they're not careful. It would be if it's exclusive. I'm pretty sure this is not exclusive. I think this is just uh, something that Samsung's been doing because they've been working with, uh, like I said, Fox uh, on some of their films, doing HDR transfers, that kind of stuff. And um, I think it's just what it looks like is just a stopgap, you know, until we really do get uh, UHD Blu-ray properly in the stores with discs and everything, which I'm guessing realistically, even with, despite what they've said, we're looking at early next year before there's going to be available discs and players i think it might get launched before christmas but as you said phil that that wording's pretty woolly <laughs> just in yeah. case well, so they want something people can watch right now on their new tvs in hdr to help push them and that's what they're doing isn't it basically yeah the other thing i noticed um the other day as well i, I just set up i've got two tvs in it at the minute a sony and a panasonic i set them up so the one in the the panasonic is a is a 4k is the 4k version of amazon and 4k version of netflix and youtube applications so i went to test Amazon and the last time I looked at Amazon 4K was on a Samsung TV back in would have been March I think maybe March or April and the majority of the content in 4K UHD was free went in yesterday did some looking about in Amazon and it's all paid for apart from maybe three or four TV things that they've done on, on their own yeah everything else is now paid for so that just shows you where things are going very quickly because a lot of that content was free back at the beginning of the year when, you know, that application launched in 4K. So it's quickly become uh, a pay-for thing now. Well, Amazon have got a bit of a form there, really, because I've noticed they quite often will give you, um, as a Prime customer, you'll get, uh, you know, like imitation games currently available to watch for free or 71, which I watched last week, which is a great film, by the way, if you haven't seen it. Again, you can watch it for free if you're a Prime member. But that won't be forever. Obviously, after a few couple of months they it goes back to paying for it again so um, maybe they're just alternating things but well you know at the end of the day these are businesses they're not here just to uh, yeah i just i just thought it would have lasted a bit longer with <laughs> with people buying 4k tvs you know you would try and encourage people to select the 4k version and watch that rather than the hd version it's smart business though i mean if there's a paucity of you know <laughs> stuff delivering 4k content and people out there buying new tvs it's going to be likelihood 4K anyway, then, you know, one way or another, they're going to have to come to you for a decent amount of 4K content. I've never seen that applied to Amazon's business model, though, that they do things sensibly, do they, Ed? Because 
I think this is the first year they've ever made a profit well, as a company. Yeah, it's very complicated to work out how that because of according the, to their tax returns. Yeah, no, 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 it's not. <laughs> it's nothing. To, oh, shut it, you miserable socialist! It's nothing to do with their tax returns. Essentially, they put they've been putting almost everything back that they make into various other infrastructure bits and bobs. It would appear that this time round, they're obviously. The number of things they can be they're investing at any one time were not sufficient to completely un to completely um, sort of remove uh, an actual an actual black number at the end of the of the the year rather than the red one. Um, this I think is down to the fact that they would have earmarked more money for uh, Amazon Fire phones, but they've stopped with that because they're all rubbish. Um, but yeah, I I I have to admit I've not really used any part of the. Uh, Amazon on demand services. So I'm, I'm sort of taking your word for it on this one. But unfortunately, I, I sort of agree with Mark on this one. It, it, it's it, it's basically going to be, whilst the market is slightly fragmented, not that large, and lacking a sort of single unifying force. Yeah, it's just going to sort of break down and be sort of oddly fragmented. And there's not a huge amount we can do about that. Did we have a praise for this hard drive from Western Digital? Steve? Yeah, it was uh, $90, but it's only US available anyway, to be loaded with a bunch of films. Well, you see a bunch of films. How many films? Was, was uh, actually, I can tell exactly how many films, because I can just add them up here. Good. Maze Runner, Exodus, Gods and Kings, X-Men Days of Futures Past, The Wolverine, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Fault in Our Stars, Let's Be Cops, and The Other Woman. Eight. Eight movies. Most of which actually aren't bad. Uh, well, half of them. <laughs> so, so it's just over... Just over ten dollars a movie, which yeah. is, isn't bad value, I suppose. But then, so and, and you've got the hard drive; you can use it for other things. Seemingly, but it's a ter- one terabyte. What is interesting, though, is that even at a terabyte, uh, there's going to be a fair bit of compression going on there, isn't there? Because yep. we're talking yep. about what a hundred gig per Blu-ray, so that's um, eight hundred gig on those four films alone, eight, eight films alone um, at least. So, uh, yeah, I mean, but as I said, looking at um, last year's. Samson hard drive, if you like, with their films on it, um, things like um, Star Trek. It looks really good on on the TV, I have to say. And, and I guess you know if that's at least some way of getting. It's a bit like um, you know, basically, it's just a way of getting hold of some content until we get a real proper functioning delivery system. Um, and by that I mean Blu-ray, not just. I mean I know you can stream 4K content, but first of all, you're at the mercy of your broadband connection. Secondly, you're at the mercy of the streaming provider that they're not going to throttle it another another place and are not going to over compress it. But you know that if you're buying uh, UHD Blu-ray, you're going to be getting the absolute best possible performance you can get in the home in terms of 4K content. So roll on, um, roll on, the, roll on Christmas, I guess, for many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, Steve. Whatever you say. Yeah, it's definitely coming. <laughs> All right, roll on CES. Keep the faith. <laughs> roll on March. Um, but interesting, you know, you're talking about 4K there, but um, let's go Ed and Mark. I mean, resolution, is, is is that the be-all and end-all when it comes to watching something for you guys? No, of course it's not. Um, I've, I've remarked it many times on AV forums over the years, all the way through pre-HD days. To I would sooner watch something good on a 14-inch CRT television and something entirely lacking in merit in 4K HD. So first and foremost, it has to be some good. But then there's all sorts of other... There are other considerations as well. I just... I, I have to say that some of the features and this doesn't really necessarily pertain to the latest and greatest 4K stuff where I'm still 
still quite content to stick at 1080 for the foreseeable. But, you know, you I, I've seen, you know, televisions which have been, as best as I can work out, at least according to the people demonstrating them, they've been calibrated, they've been set up. And there's still occasions where it just... It looks sort of smart, but not necessarily the most natural thing I've ever seen. So, yeah. I'm whilst I don't doubt that you've had some demonstrations of HDR which aren't properly done, and they're being it's being sensitively applied. Like any other piece of technology, no doubt some numbnuts is going to turn it up to eleven, and it will be entirely visually striking but broadly speaking like watching you know i don't know sin city for the ones of sake of better argument it'll just be bizarre and the natural tendency is to try and shock and awe people into buying stuff and i have a, a, a resigned sense that that'll inevitably crop up this time as well the reason i asked that question and we'll come back to mark in a, in, in a second is that other than the resolution there's not a lot at, at the moment that 4K is offering. Obviously, the wider colour gamut to DCI will make a big difference. People mm. should notice that, shouldn't they, Steve, in the home? They, they uh, should. The colours are, are stronger and so on. But HDR is just such a leap above that. And that's why I think it will be a game changer if it's done right. Um, because it, it it's actually... How would I describe it? To, um, on a sunny day outside and you're in a dark room, right? You or I can see Items that's in the dark room, but it can also see what's out the window. Yeah? yeah. That's HDR. Because our eyes have got, well, not an infinite dynamic range, but a very, very, very wide dynamic range between seeing in the dark and seeing in the bright bright parts of the, of the same view. And I guess what they're trying to do is replicate that to a degree um, but do you in think video this form, is, isn't it? But do yeah. you think this is something that people will have to just see for themselves? Yeah, totally. And it has to be done right. But, but when you see it done right, it's like, how is it taking so long for this? to come along because it it is literally like that sitting in a dark room but you're able to see all the detail round about the window in the dark side but also outside you can see the depth and the difference in the bright areas it's just that that's the best way i can describe it to be honest it's I, and it's I going to be a big game changer because when people see that against normal even if it is turned up to 11 um it's still it's still going to be uh so much better than what we get at the moment and the technology there to put the metadata in so it tells the TV, and this is coming back to what Steve was saying about it, setting it to, to, to the brightness to 20. And there might be some metadata in there that's, that's telling it to do that. Yeah. But if there's metadata in the stream that tells it how the TV should be set up, then you kind of get around the problem ahead of people turning it up to 11 because it tells the TV how it should be displayed. Um, so you, you, you have a, a bit of a payoff there as well. So I, I think yeah. it's, it's going to be a game changer if it's done right. And it's the same as 4K Blu-ray. You know, If it's done right, it'll be a success. If it's not, people are just going in for the license and money and that kind of thing, it'll die a death. It sounds fantastic, but I can still foresee many years of people looking at before and after pictures on an uncalibrated monitor and arguing. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we could get Ed's next review of the high-end speakers down the phone line for people. <laughs> I think the problem's going to be... Uh, and it's, kind of happened before with hd was you know there was hd ready and then it was full hd and people were probably buying tvs they thought were full hd and they weren't actually full hd and they discovered later and weren't so happy about it or in my case i bought uh the sony um what was called the ruby you know the um sony ruby um the, the vw 100 uh, which had hdmi but it, it wouldn't accept um uh, 24 over hdmi which was a bit of a pain later when blu-ray and HD DVD turned up, but so you're going to get people buying um, ultra HD TVs that perhaps don't either don't support HDR, don't support 10 bit, don't support DCI, um, 
Well, there's that, um, that uh, problem at the minute with uh, with BT boxes. Some of the BT boxes. Mm -hmm. boxes yeah, there's going to be a lot of this kind of thing going on where there's going to be a lot of incompatibility or things that don't do necessarily what people thought they're going to do or don't support. So, I mean, HDMI inputs that don't accept HTCP 2.2 is going to be you an You know issue. what, Steve? I think I think it's time for an article, and I think you should write yeah, an article. We're have to. <laughs> I think you should write an article about the things that your next TV should have. All right. Yeah, but the thing right. is, people go like, "Well, why would I buy?" You know, well, my advice would be right now, probably don't buy a TV unless you absolutely have to, because things so much is changing. But if you do have to buy a TV, you know, ultimately it comes down to how much you've got to spend. And so there's no point saying, "Well, this TV doesn't have HDR, therefore you shouldn't buy it." If you've only got one and a half grand to spend. And that's as much as you can afford. And you want a TV right now. You want to get the best TV you can buy for that money. Uh, and you know you can't expect manufacturers to not make TVs at all. Well, we'll wait till next year. We won't sell anything this year. We'll wait till everything's green next year. That, they're a business. That's not going to happen. They expect to sell stuff, and that's how they stay afloat. If they don't do that, like we've already we're talking about last week, they go under. <laughs> and then we've got no one making us TVs anymore. So you know, I mean, people need to get a reality check there. But you know, yes, there's going to be a bit of confusion. I think you're right, Phil. I think we need to uh, address it all up front now. So hopefully, people can go in forearmed when they go and buy the next TV. Yeah, I mean, if your TV goes pop, fair enough, you've got to buy another TV. Yeah. Um, don't don't spend a lot of money. Don't buy anything that's going to leave you where it's not compatible. Go buy something like this TV I've got in for review at the minute, this CX680. Uh, yeah, how much does that cost? Uh, 799 right? Which 50 is inch. For, for a 50-inch LED it's good, LCD it? TV. It's 4K. It's got the apps that are in 4K. So you've got three apps that are in 4K. So you've got 4K content if you want it. But actually, upscaled HD mm. looks absolutely brilliant on it. And it's got lovely colours and it looks nice. And it actually does some decent blacks for an LED LCD TV. And it's not a hell of a lot of money. And knowing Panasonic, um, that price, you'll be able to find that for about 600 quid some online. Yeah. So there's no need no, to go I, and buy the latest thing. Yeah, it's a good point that um, even uh, upscale, a good quality high def source upscale can look fantastic, can't it? <laughs> Really quite impressive. If, if, if it's done right, this. I've seen some pretty nasty. Yeah, if yeah. the scaling and processing is <laughs> done right. But certainly, I mean, I've spent two weeks now with this um, Samsung J7500, and I've got to say, uh, I think it's been producing a lovely picture, really lovely picture. I'm really quite impressed. And, uh, you know, it's one of the rare times where I haven't thought, oh, I haven't been using the Kuro for a bit. It's going back up today. And, um, you know, yeah, I was going to say how long you're hanging on to this TV for, like. No, it's been picked up. In fact, at some point in this podcast, there might be a bang on the door. Chris, I'll have to start calling you Ed in a minute. <laughs> I'm saying nothing. <laughs> and moving you, on to Ed. Not going to incriminate yourself, are you? No comment. Although I will say that uh, if we're about to discuss the QOQ 63020, uh, they were collectors earlier today. Oh, I feel for you. I what really a segue. Do. Well, I, I try. <laughs> Uh, so what about them, Ed? Uh, well, they are obviously the reviews going good. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's getting uh, predictable now, uh, and I do apologise. Uh, it, it would be it would be easier. It would be certainly more convenient if it, the truth of it was that QQ6 had sent me on an all this all expenses paid holiday somewhere nice. Um, believe you me, I've in terms of reviewing the 3000 series stuff both av forums and elsewhere i've put quite a lot of effort into trying to find a what's not good about them and b something at the same price i can legitimately point to which is consistently better and the truly annoying thing is that without any money bribes or or other sort of favors changing hands i can't they are at the moment by and it's not a small margin either they are the most complete bits of 
budget loudspeaker that you can you can spend your money on. I mean, sometimes you get products like this, don't you? Or, or, you do. or you get companies who, you know, they'll have a hit record after hit record um, because they get the formula right, because they, they put more effort into buying in um, quality components and then putting them together properly. Yeah, but also I mean, managing to get them out the door where they still make a margin on it, but it, it it's at a price level where you think, well, that shouldn't be possible. Well, the thing that QQ6 do have in their favour, and I don't think any any anyone that works for the company would 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 take umbrage with me saying this, is that they because they were set up specifically to be this affordable loudspeaker company, they don't they're not bound by any tradition about what we think their speakers should be. Uh, and that's hugely helpful. Um, it it means that you know there's no tradition of them using a metal tweeter or putting the port at the back or just doing any number of little things which just restrict how you can develop the product. They're they're still a new speaker company. If they decided to do something quite considerably different to what they've gone before, they're still only sort of six years of of you know, history, and I use the word in the loosest possible sense, to, to base that as a, as a change on. And it, it affords them a flexibility that rival companies, especially rival companies which are also then trying to keep, if you like, a, a, a house design and house style across multiple ranges of loudspeakers, they simply just don't have that luxury. Then when you combine that, as you say, with very, very shrewd um, uh, design and manufacturing practice, and and really strong distribution, yeah, it's 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 pretty much an untouchable combination. The only thing that would drive me mad is the way that they put the um, terminals at the back. I have <laughs> to admit, it's bizarre. <laughs> I mean, it, really, that if that's the most irksome thing I can find to say about them, then it's really not the end of the world. <laughs> um, but yeah, thus far, um, with the except the noble exception of the concept series, which just have. A pair of nice quality draw, uh, terminals poking out the back in an in an organised line. They've done something bizarre with all the speaker terminals and all the products they've ever sent me. If you like, it's their kryptonite. And just coming back to the system that you looked at last time around, which was end of the month last month, wasn't it? Yes, um, the three thousand five hundred ones. Now yeah. you said the the only drawback there was the subwoofer. So. Um, what would you recommend to people? Because I think it was asked on the thread a couple of times. You know, would would you go with the five Q acoustics and another sub, or do they do a better sub in their lineup? Well, I in if it were me, I'd be looking at a different subwoofer. Um, I'd and not necessarily in the Q acoustics range. Uh, it's not significantly more, but even the acoustic energy subwoofer from the one hundred series that we covered as part of the pack. Um, it's not, it's actually got a smaller footprint than the Q acoustics sub it's a, a single downward firing eight inch so let's be under no illusions that it's going to you know cause your vision to vibrate but it's a well sorted well implemented sub it would integrate nicely with the 3010 speaker you get a remote control which is something actually which is more useful than i thought it was going to be on a subwoofer if i'm completely honest okay i'm very so, determined so that's the the acoustics uh the 3020s which were reviewed as a stereo pair I am assuming, Ed, that the same as the, th- uh, the 3010s, you could set these up as a 5.1 system as of well. Of course if you, you can. To, yeah. um, obviously, you can go full a la carte. Um, you could have the 3020s at the front and then otherwise go for the 3010s at the back and the centre or, Phil, knowing your proclivities in this regard, um, I don't think you can buy... 
3020s on their own, but you could either use them as a se- as a sextet with identical speakers in. <laughs> That's the correct word. No laughing at the back, children. Um, or uh, I'm sure if you you could either negotiate with someone on the forums that felt the same way as you, you could go halves on a pair and just split them <laughs> for some purposes. Um, but then obviously there's floor standards as well. Um, and yeah, you're, you're missing the obvious. You could you could do a six point one. Yeah, absolutely. So the, there are various options available. Well, that is you. a good idea. Going halves with someone on the forums, one each. It's <laughs> great. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, the easy way would be Cuckoo Sticks selling them singly, which, you know... Well, the thing is that sense. one of the reasons, again, it all adds up. The, the packaging is well-designed, very well-thought-out, and designed to put two speakers in each box. So it's uh, it's just another <laughs> skew, isn't it? And actually, it's another skew times five finishes. So, yeah. So those reviews are up on the website. If you want to go and read them, go and do that. They are worth a read, because I have to proof them, so I have to read everything and... Uh, <laughs> actually quite good quality so yeah was, wasn't the many changes that needed to be made in there um anyway moving on and uh, just to wrap up on our hardware um we were going to discuss it it'll have to wait till uh till next week but there is the ultimate projector buying guide has gone up steve spent um almost six months on it because he's lazy <laughs> <laughs> didn't you it did take quite a long time but in <laughs> fairness in fairness the guide itself is relatively brief but there are a bunch of articles yeah, that yeah, yeah. feed off of that that yeah, take yeah. time to write. But hopefully anyone thinking of buying a projector, um, if you want to go through the articles, it takes you through the technologies and the screens and light sources and all sorts of things that you can maybe haven't thought about. Um, so have a look at that. Have a look at that between now and next week and then we'll talk about it next week. Yeah, and if you've got any questions, bung them in the uh, the forum post under this podcast or send us a tweet at AV Forums um, with a question and we'll answer them next week when we'll we discuss that. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, Games News is next. So we're on to Games News, Mark, and uh, the Xbox One getting a DVR. Yes, uh, it's getting that functionality. Um, it's one of those things that it was kind of sold on or at least it was sold on its its idea of being a kind of integrated hub through which you could watch tv with hdmi pass through the idea being obviously that you you know you plug in for the stateside market different kind of cable boxes that kind of thing um it's taken them a while obviously because they kind of changed tack um and refocused on on the gaming you know core strategy but now it looks like we will get proper DVR functionality. Um, they'd already released this little um, USB uh, attachments that you could watch you know, TV for over-the-air channels, um, and that's basically what this is going to work with. So anyone kind of hoping that you know you can plug other things into it and record from that, it's it's not going to be you know in that kind of field. It's it's like many other little set-up boxes for pausing, rewinding, and recording uh, live TV for over-the-air channels. Um, It's also been revealed that it'll only work with an external hard drive. So, you know, the kind of the costs add up a little bit, but with the way they're kind of linking things in with Windows 10, it starts to sound a little bit more appealing. You can stream it to Windows 10 devices and even download it onto that. So... The fact that you can kind of schedule recordings from a phone, from a tablet, you know, from anywhere else, and then you can kind of download onto those devices and take it with you. I think that makes it, yeah, certainly a more appealing proposition. 
Just wrapping up on games then, Mark, I'm reading this headline and it says Time Magazine makes VR look ridiculous. I'm assuming that that's virtual reality. Um, why is it making it look ridiculous? Um, this is basically uh, a shot on Time Magazine. They've done a, a big feature about VR, about um, Palmer Lucky from um, Oculus Rift. And yeah, he's kind of floating a bit in midair, wearing a uh, a headset and... It's just obviously it's one of those shots designed to make someone look silly. And the the article even starts out about the kind of stereotypes of nerddom and that kind of thing. Um, but I think it, it's it's uh, kind of struck a chord with people simply because it underlines that massive gulf now between the old media, the print media, and where people whose, whose interests largely lie in kind of online and connectivity and... In, in the kind of tech field and how it it no longer has any great relevance. You know, Palmer Lucky even came out and said, you know, why would I really care about this kind of thing? They're not the market for this for this product. But it also, there's that sneaking part of you that does feel it does kind of underline a, a key point, which when someone wants to buy this kind of thing or when someone's even halfway interested in, Perhaps the same problems that uh, 3D faced, which is people don't really want to look ridiculous. You know, there is that slight barrier to, to, to entry, which is, do you want to be sat in your living room with a pair of glasses on? Do you want to be, sat, you know, an extra pair of glasses on on top? Do you want to go into a shop and put on this headset and have people stare at you whilst you kind of wander around a virtual I, environment. I have had that experience at CES, and Steve is yes. the same. And it's, you know, you're putting the thing on, and you just know you're making stupid faces. <laughs> There's no question that that kind of thing should only ever be done on your own in, in a room alone, um, like many things, many enjoyable things can be done on their own. <laughs> that is definitely one of them. Uh, don't do it in public. It's not spectator sport. We're still talking about the VR headset here. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> So yes, Mark, I, I fully appreciate what you're saying there because we've had that experience. Mark? Yes? Uh, what's the state of play with regards to the Oculus Rift then? I mean, we talked about VR for as long as I can remember anyone talking about the internet and, and even before then. But where are we in terms of it being a viable product? In terms of being a viable product, we're still... It's still embryonic in terms of... Well, in fact, I suppose in, in some ways we're kind of in, this, in the same ballpark as we are with things like you know uhd blu-ray which is there's been this really 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 long kind of trail of breadcrumbs leading us to a place where even the you know licensing and even the fact that someone's working on something becomes news when you would assume that those kind of little tidbits well you would assume that information was correct anyway that people must be working on something i no one's behind the scenes twiddling their thumbs um at the moment it seems like we'll be looking at um you know next year as as we said in fact last year we said that 2015 <laughs> would be the year for vr now it's looking like it will be 2016 um a lot placed on what we'll see around the holiday season um and particularly uh, early next year perhaps we'll see um sony's project morpheus as well um but there's still there's still this paucity of of um, titles announced. Mm. You know, it, it can't simply be a case of just trying to work with 
games that are already in development and shoehorning something different there. Um, in fact, there was there was news came out that um, I think Starbreeze. I think they're they're only going to be publishing. I don't think they're they're developing, but they're looking at um, making a VR experience of the film John Wick. Yeah. Okay. Which again, it, it it sounds odd, but at least that's someone looking at you know trying to make something that would be an interesting sale. You know, if someone's put going to have to put on a headset and look ridiculous in a shop to to kind of experience this, it should be something that they can't play elsewhere. But there's also talk with regards Rift, there'll be um, you know all in one solutions where you get uh, a gaming rig as well as. You know uh, the Rift and the um, Xbox One controller, which will be packaged with all Oculus Rifts. Um, there are various other manufacturers who are now all kind of jumping aboard the bandwagon. So watch this space. Well, it's a case of save your pennies um, mm-hmm. and just hope that there's you know the decent games on it. But there, there's so much financial backing, and you'd have to say you know with, with Facebook's money behind a key player, you, it's hard to see how they wouldn't just continue backing it in much the same way that you know kind of. <laughs> Microsoft when they entered the games field even though you know they flopped in one key market in Japan again they just kept on plugging away you know they they knew that they could afford to buy up studios they knew that they could afford to to kind of back their own horse all the way even though they were making big losses at one point so it's a bit like Samsung and Sony you know financially getting involved with 3D yeah i mean it, it's it's facebook's inclusion that that really kind of shakes things up because obviously they're the main ones who you'd have to say would be looking beyond just gaming so you know they're they're the ones who you can say if there's any possibility to expand this so that it doesn't doesn't just so 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 what we're saying mark is is are the porn industry behind this (laughs) i i I think i think they uh yes Because, because to guarantee success, you need the porn. Because how many three D porn Blu rays were released? Not many. So it was always going to die. Yeah, you look at VHS. I think there's a reason for that, though, Phil, isn't it? Do you really want to watch pornography in three D? Because the one thing that's going to be poking out, I'm not sure I want poking in my face. <laughs> in fairness, and that might equally apply to VR. I mean, you might be a little bit too close to the action. Possibly, uh, possibly not, not best, not best for pornography. I think. Anyway, moving. Are we having a games podcast this month, Mark? <laughs> In the fullness of time, you will see a games podcast. But you haven't um, got time. That's that's the problem. <laughs> is that games news, Mark? I think that is games news. What's at the cinema, Steve? Well, there were three films opening last weekend, Phil. Two yeah, which- yeah, but we've only got time for one. I don't know. No, I was going to say two, which looked very interesting. Unfortunately, I went to go and see the other one. <laughs> Fantastic Four. Uh, and if you've read um, Sharuna's review, uh, she's pretty much spot bang on the money there in terms of her appraisal of the film. And obviously, if you've seen any of the reviews elsewhere, you'll know it's not been well received and has bombed in the States financially uh, and internationally as well. Uh, and good. So it should, because frankly, the only reason this film exists is so that uh, Fox can keep the uh, keep the rights to uh, Fantastic Four and not have to give them back to Disney slash Marvel. Um, in 1994, Roger Corman made a film version of the Fantastic Four, purely for that reason. He he basically would have had to have given the rights back to Marvel, and in order to retain the rights, he had to go into production at a certain date, which he did. But he only spent one and a half million on the film. Basically, it was made never with any intention of releasing it, purely to keep the rights. And Fox did the Fantastic Four back in two thousand and five, and it wasn't particularly well received. Didn't do that well. It did okay. They did a sequel in two thousand and seven that did 
Okay, again, wasn't well received. They waited to the last minute before their uh, option was up and they had to, res- res- you know, the rights would revert back to Marvel and went into production on this last year. It was basically, there was a seven-year period and then seven years were up last year and they went into production last year and claiming like, oh, no, no, you know, this is going to be a real story. You know, we're not just doing it to retain the rights. Yeah, right. I mean, you should make a film because you've got a story you want to tell, that there's a reason to doing it. And make retaining the rights is not a good enough reason. And even though they hired a decent cast and they got in a director, you, you know, you'd think could do a good job. I mean, he'd already made a film called Chronicle, which was about superheroes. Um, and they were taking a slightly different approach to the material than they've been done previously. At the end of the day, the whole thing just feels like an hour of build-up and then no conclusion is you know it's, it's, there's a long time getting to the point where they actually achieve their superpowers then almost no time is spent with them actually getting used to having superpowers that's kind of just brushed over in the space of about five minutes and then there's a, a, a final confrontation which is very un you know really doesn't work at all it's not exciting uh, it's not big enough it doesn't work it's, it's a badly written badly conceived and badly made film um, now, the director went on, on Twitter after it opened to appalling reviews, saying this isn't the film I made. You know, the, a year ago, I had a much better version, you know, and there's been a lot of student interference. Apparently, there has been. He then took off Twitter the next day. He went, obviously, you got a bollocking from Fox. But, um, yeah, maybe there is a better version of the film out there. But the one that's in cinemas is is not good. It's it's You can see there are germs of a good idea in there. There's potential. But I are think we, ultimately, oh. it's poorly delivered. Are we talking better or worse than Catwoman? I've never seen Catwoman, so I can't say. But um, <laughs> I let's put it this way: I much preferred the ninety, the two thousand and five Fantastic Four, which everyone hated apart from me, I have to say. But uh, I thought that at least at least that was fun. I and mean, this is there's it's this is boring and miserable, and there's no fun, and there's no sense of any kind of friendship. Or I mean, the whole point of the Fantastic Four is it's, it's a kind of a family dynamic. In fact, there's already been a brilliant. Fantastic Four movie. It's called The Incredibles. That's the Fantastic Four. Just go and see The Incredibles, or if you haven't seen it, watch it again if you have. That nails it. Absolutely nails the dynamic of that of that particular comic book. Presumably, Steve, it does also manages to avoid being unintentionally sort of. Good. It's just it, it doesn't have any. Yeah, any, yeah. It's not like watching a car. Cr- it's sort of. It's just just dull. Yeah. It's just dull and unnecessary. It doesn't. It's too competently made to be enjoyable for being so I mean, it's not like showgirls where you can just enjoy it for being really bad yeah uh, it's 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 just boring really and that's the worst offense i think any comic book film can make isn't it being boring it's almost uh, like they're holding it to to ransom like if marvel want it back yeah <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll, st- we'll stop this, this is like this. sticking an ear in the post <laughs> well, hopefully, since it won't make any money, maybe Fox will get the message now and just do what... Because I mean, obviously Sony were desperate to keep hold of Spider-Man. They were going to get back to, to Marvel. And, like that. and obviously Spider-Man reboots didn't do that well. And they've kind of thought, actually, you know what? Let's go and ask Marvel how to do it properly. So now they were, they're, they're including Spider-Man in Civil War and he's going to be uh, in his own film. But but Marvel are involved in this new Spider-Man film and, and therefore it's part of their cinematic universe. And, you know, Jess, Fox, just... Okay, keep on making X Men films if you must, because you seem to be doing a. You've, you've cocked up those a few times as well, but recently they're back on track a bit better with um, First Class and Days of Futures Past, and and now Apocalypse coming up. They they look more interesting, so fine. But just give Fantastic Four back to Marvel and let them do a good job with it, because you guys keep screwing it up. You've done it three times now, uh, and frankly, I'm sick of it. So, you know, just swallow your pride, give them the rights back, and let them do a better job with it, because you haven't got a clue. 
basically. Fox has my opinion. So I'll give it a very unfantastic four out of ten. Which I notice is what every other reviewer in the world is doing as well, by the way. I'm, so, I'm sure, Steve, that they're listening in and they'll take every word you just said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, 2020 Fox are listening to every word I'm saying. But, yeah, um, yeah. Um, well, they won't listen to me, but what they will listen to is the box office. Right? Yeah, this is true. We're money talks. Million and I'm not going to make their money back. That might put them off making any more of these films. Uh, and just, you know, just give it back to, to Marvel and let them do, do a good job with it. Because it, what it basically shows is they don't understand the material. I mean, they clearly never have. I mean, they, they did okay with a lot of, um, initially with, with X-Men because they had Brian Singer on board. Then once he jumped ship to do Superman, unfortunately, um, they brought in Brett Ratner, <laughs> and, you know, and it went tits up. They don't understand the material. Whereas Marvel, you know, because they're Marvel, it's their characters. They understand the material. Um, and I think that's what Sony realised. Sony thought, well, hang on a minute. Why don't we just go to the people that really know about this stuff and let them do it for us and we'll just take the money. Seems like a good deal to me. So Fox should probably just do something like that. But whether there's any appetite, and I suspect there isn't any appetite for a third reboot of the Fantastic Four, what they could do is what they've done with Spider-Man, which is not rather than rebooting Spider-Man, they're kind of just introducing him into the world and then going off with a separate film later. So maybe they could do something like maybe that. Maybe it's what we were talking about two years ago, and that is that this is the start of the implosion now. Well, this one's certainly we've been, be... we've been predicting that for yeah, several years now. The... We'll get it right in the end, Mark. We'll get it right. Well, we did, to be honest, we did have both Mad Max and Jurassic World flagged as 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 possible starts of the of the collapse, and um, they they seem to have struggled through Done quite well for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, whilst no, I, I I agree that there's a lot of a lot of money flying around that can't all seek returns. This is perhaps the first instance where we're actually seeing, it. and it's in it being attached to. A genuinely bad film. We we had sort of anticipated that even something that was tolerably okay might struggle to to to, to find clear air, and and well, I mean, for better or worse, that hasn't happened yet. So, how long have we got, Steve, till the uh, till the big box office smash of the year? Until Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, what's the 18th of December, isn't it? So we're just under four, one, two, four months. Oh God! Four months and counting. I saw, um, there was a, I don't know if you saw it, Phil, there was a Korean trailer, basically the same footage we've seen before, but with two second shot we hadn't seen before, of like all these stormtroopers lined up that looked pretty cool. Yeah, so, StarWars.com Star yeah. have been tweeting that this week. Interesting that one of the characters has a helmet that's the same shape as Vader's, but a different colour. Uh, yes, probably not Vader though, I'm pretty sure he did. Although, didn't you point out that he's, isn't Luke talking in the... He's present talk, tense about his father? Yeah, he talks in the present tense. My father he? has it. Yes. Perhaps that's just because he's saying he's still one with the Force and still exists. But, um, anyway. Four months, though. Four months and counting. And I can't. I, although before that, though, we've got some good stuff coming up. We've got The Martian, which I'm looking forward to in October. And also, at the end of October, Spectre. So uh, it's a good run into the end of the year, actually, in terms of movie quality. Meh. I'm still not going anywhere near a cinema. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, obviously, Star Wars comes out on my birthday. And the one thing that I can guarantee you I'm not going to be doing is going anywhere near a cinema on the opening day of that film. I, I, I mean, well, not unless I can have an armed escort and just empty, empty, the, empty it out. Um, I mean, uh, at the threat of force, not the actual use of force before anyone accuses me of being a serial killer. But no, it's um, I, I'm, I'm sort of mildly interested, but I still don't, I still don't even know if I can bring myself to go anywhere near a cinema, um, even for that. Okay. The truth of it. Okay, so Steve, what's uh, Ed not going to see this Friday? 
this Friday, actually, some of the stuff this Friday is wise not to go and see because one of the films opening up on, on Thursday, actually, is Pixels, the new Adam Sander film. Uh, I would literally rather shove a hot knitting needle through my eye sockets than go and see this film. Oh, I'm up for um, that. You sound tickers. <laughs> also, there's absolutely anything which is uh, directed by Terry Jones and stars Simon Pegg and also stars um, playing a bunch of aliens, the rest of the surviving members of the Monty Python crew. So basically, it's kind of the closest you're going to get to a Monty Python movie, I guess, um, these days. Um, they're all providing voices for these aliens who provide, who basically give Simon Pegg unlimited power um, as a test to see whether the human race is worth saving or worth it or should be destroyed. Um, so it's kind of a cross between Monty Python and oh. Bruce Almighty, by the sounds of it. That sounds terrible. Uh, yeah, it didn't look great in the trailers, actually, I have to say. Uh, actually, um, his dog, uh, Simon Pegg's dog in the film, um, becomes, you know, gets the ability to speak and is voiced by the late Robin Williams, one of the last things that he did. Um, so cast-wise, it's got a great-looking cast of you know comedy greats in there and stuff like that, but uh, it doesn't look great in the trailers. And let's be honest, I mean, even the last Python film, Mini of Life, wasn't particularly good, and that was 30, what, two years ago? Um, and since then, their solo work's been spotty at best. Um, the other thing opening this weekend on Friday is uh, The Man from U.N.C.L.E., the reboot of the TV series directed no, by... I have uh, heard absolutely nothing about this. It looks quite uh, slick. It does look... I, I mean, in the trailer, it's... It, it's got first of all, it's got Hugh Grant, and I'll go and see anything with Hugh Grant because he doesn't. He makes films so rarely these days that it's. Oh, I didn't realise he was in it. In that case, I won't go anywhere near it. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's sixty spy caper. It was done with a nod and a wink, and and, and slickly made. It could be fun. Yeah, yeah, but I've heard absolutely nothing about it. I haven't seen any adverts on the TV for it. I haven't seen any trailers. I haven't seen anything on Twitter. I haven't seen any. The point I'm trying to make is. It hasn't had the marketing spend behind it, which I, obviously highlights an issue with the film if they haven't got a budget to market it or they're not marketing it, they're trying to bury it, was the point I was trying to make. I'll find out this weekend and let you know on next Monday. Oh, he's putting himself in harm's way. Well, he has to go and see this shit so we don't have to. No, I, mean, I want to go not, see not, not like you would go and see it anyway. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> No, I want you to go and see Pixels. You escape the One Direction movie. This is our line in the sand. <laughs> it's your turn to do something really stupid. And this With a is... couple of notable exceptions, one of which we were quoting from at the beginning of this podcast, I absolutely hate Adam Sandler with every fibre of my being. He's made nothing but turd after turd after turd, to the point where even the studio that produced the film, Sony, was going in their emails that were leaked at the end of last year. <laughs> why do we keep making these awful Adam Sandler movies? They don't even make any money anymore. Uh, you know, why this guy gets the time of day, I don't know. Just uh, please, 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 if you're listening to this, Mr. Sandler, retire. Right, so that's Fox. Uh, and Adam Sandler. Yeah. Two Sandler. big listeners of ours. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking I might watch Pixels. Mark, you love computer games. I can't think of anything that more likely to just turn that love into a, a bitter Sith-like hatred than watching Adam Sandler just poo all over the whole concept of it. And I, I mean, it was, uh, probably literally. Well, him. absolutely. And then... Um, What's this chops? Uh, Peter Dinklage is in it as well, which I yeah. think he's probably going to undo. Yeah. Of so all of a sudden, people are going to want him to, to, to cop it in season six. <laughs> <laughs> and who is the other guy in it? Is that uh, that fat comedian? Oh, uh, the bloke who was in, um, was in King, King of Queens. Of Queens. Yeah, yeah. Um, I who I also it. hate with a vengeance. So there you go. Apologise to Cassandra, who's got to go and review it. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Listener <laughs> participation. Vote for the film that Steve has to go and see. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you, know, you made me watch Theodore Rex. What else have I got to do? Yeah, you got to do it in the comfort of your own home. Doesn't count. You could drink as much as you needed to make the horror go away. You've got to sit in a, cin- in a cinema, and even with a deluxe screening, let's face it, you can't drink that much, presumably, because you've got to drive to the cinema in the first place. Yeah, you should sit down and watch this bad boy. And in the middle of the school holidays as well. <laughs> <laughs> Mighty. And on that bombshell. Is there anything coming out in Blu-ray uh, this week, Steve? Yeah, this week we've got The Water Diviner. Um, which is the film uh, directed by Einstein Russell Crowe about a father who goes to Gallipoli after the war, after World War One, uh, in search of his missing sons, which actually I've got to say, I really like the look of them, so much so, in fact, after approving uh, Kaz's review, I actually ordered it on Amazon. It's, uh, it's also, sort of the whole, com- all the reviews, but it's like, this is surprisingly not awful. Yeah, well, yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually quite good, to everyone's <laughs> surprise. Um yeah, it looked, I mean, it looked interesting. It's just got a terrible title, basically. It looked interesting in the trailer, but The Water Diviner is an awful, awful title. Uh, anyway, uh, but it looks quite good. And apparently it's very well made uh, and quite moving in places. And the battle scenes are very well done, Ed. And um, yeah, it gives an interesting perspective on something that I know we all hear about a lot because the Aussies and Kiwis go on about it. Um, even though more British soldiers died gladly than did, did, um, did yeah, but hang on a second. Did that completely? Mi- I don't. I, I dislike siding with the Australians, but it is worth pointing out. It's not the total number. Yeah, it was is percentage the, percent, of their the percentage of head of population that. that kind of makes it a big deal. Yeah, Ed. In the meantime, the rest of our population were all dying on the Western Front. It's so still like, a higher a hole. higher percentage loss of. In terms of an actual set, the census grouping and and and, and right, demographics. But the point is, we were there too. It wasn't like we sent them on. We were. Way. No, it was. It was an all opportunities um, cluster. <laughs> fudge. So, yes. Anyway, that's opening up. Um, that comes out on Blu-ray this week and looks good. Uh, also, Run All Night and yet another one of those those um, Liam Neeson action films, which I avoid like the plague these days. Um, even Kaz didn't like it, and he loves that kind of thing. Get Hard. Uh, oh, God, whatever you do, don't. This was ranked as one of um, Mark Camote's worst films of the year. I know that, um, I think it was Cassandra that reviewed this, and she hated it. Uh, it's, it looks offensive on every conceivable level. At both Steve, places. are we going to get sued for uh, for the fact that we keep saying Cassandra and uh, they us to see these really bad movies? I, you see, this is why Withers needs to spread the load here. He's been, he's been, <laughs> he's been ducking... A huge amount of terrible stuff. Uh, what else is there? On oh, Everly, which um, comes out this week on Blu-ray. And Kaz reviewed that at the cinema. And he actually quite liked it, even though Mark Commode also had this film, one of his worst films of the year, top 10. Um, but it's um, um, Summer Hike, who plays, uh, uh, I think she's a prostitute slash killer who gets stuck in an apartment and see what gets sent to kill it. It all takes place inside one apartment, apparently. I think he said it had potential, but didn't quite deliver Kaz, in Kaz's review. <laughs> <laughs> I think the potential would be summer hike, <laughs> as anything. Uh, but those are coming out this week. Uh, and that's the AV Forums podcast for this week. My thanks to Steve Withers. You need a prostitute. Mark Potray. Do you like a flock of seagulls? No, but I can see you do. And Ed Selly. Will this be your first time with intercourse? <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmark avforums.com for latest reviews, news and video. Plus, why not leave us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show, but only if it's five stars. I'm Phil Hinton. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you again next Wednesday. (laughs) 